0: Welcome into another edition of the Half Court Press podcast. I'm John Nyatawa, He's Chris Hetty. Actually, have a decent amount to talk about today on July one. Um, a lot of Nebraska stuff. Chris, you you pulled your Twitter followers for some questions about Husker hoops. We got some updates to get to. One player leaves. One player in. Um, but let's start with UConn, man. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of like the big news item of the day in the college basketball world, UConn joining the Big East, rejoining the Big East um, after seven years apart from the league that it was an original member, one of seven original members um, back in, oh, gosh, now, 1973, I think? That sounds kind of about right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a while ago, obviously. Yeah. A ton of history, obviously, with UConn and the Big East. Uh, the league split, up, split apart uh, for basically because of football. And uh, and now UConn's back in, which means we get UConn men's hoops in Omaha every year. UConn women's hoops. Maybe you should have led with that because that yeah. program is that's uh, a huge deal now. Yeah, a powerhouse to see that team come to Omaha every year. What a treat that is for uh, local college basketball fans, local sports fans. Um, actually, that team transcends sports. Really, what Gino RM has built there, like that's that's incredible. So, oh yeah. What's your reaction? How you feel like I don't know, did you grow up watching uh, Big East basketball or are you more the uh, Big I? 10, Big 12? I mean, I I watched a lot of Big 12, but I I
1: loved watching the conference tournament on ESPN. Um Syracuse and Yukon and um that those are the two that come to mind because I feel like they always matched up at some point. Or are they the te- are those the two teams that played that seven overtime game? It was Syracuse yeah. and somebody, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, um sounds right. That they had some epic moments. Yukon Georgetown for sure. Yeah, oh, right. pit the pit the Yukon pit game, the Kemba back, yes. you know, step cool. back.
1: That which is which remains one of the all-time great game winners that I've ever seen. Like ever. It was this weird thing in high school when um, it was the first like the conference tournaments were usually like the week right before spring break. So we were doing nothing. And so because it's Kansas and it's kind of a basketball crazy state, we would just like watch conference tournaments in class. And I remember like the whole class going wild after that step back and it was like, Holy cow, this is great. Um, I think this is a good thing for the big East for like a million reasons. Um, But I think that the Big East is one of the best conferences in college basketball. But I think that there is still this perception where it gets left out at times or gets forgotten at times because there's not really big brand name teams. Like there is Georgetown and, Seton Hall, but like UConn is a different echelon of college basketball. No doubt. And I think that it adds so much credibility to this current, um, Big East and, and not, and this isn't anything to discredit, discredit Butler or Creighton by, by that mean, by that you know, at all, but I think adding UConn just makes it feel more solid as a powerhouse conference does that make sense
0: for sure i i totally agree because like creighton butler xavier i mean xavier's been one of the most consistent programs in college basketball over the last two decades but it just doesn't they don't have the national branding the national reach the ability to kind of raise eyebrows in the college basketball world like that takes years to build sort of that credibility that response from college basketball fans uconn has it like they have that prestige uh that stature And honestly, when you look at the Big East, there's not, I mean, you mentioned Georgetown, but Georgetown hasn't been good. Right. Um, St. John's maybe, but St. John's hasn't been good. So Mm -hmm. like Villanova obviously um, has added a lot of credibility to the league and it's raising, it's raised its profile um, since the new Big East was formed, but there hasn't really been a clear sort of number two team um, from a national perspective. like big brand reputation, it's hard to like put into words. With like, it's a perception mm-hmm. thing. And while I do think some of these teams have been overlooked and and underrated, as you say, sometimes the Big East gets lost in the conversation. Sometimes, but that's that's part of like this whole branding thing. And so UConn helps fix that. And I was thinking, um, it like the Big East had, right when it formed at, with ten members, I feel like the conversation began are you going to add an 11th? Are you going to add a 12th? Like are, when is the league going to expand? And leadership always said like, we're, we'll consider it, but it's not like, I think Bruce Rasmussen told me once Creighton's athletic director told me like, it's been an agenda, an agenda item every year. Like they've always talked about it, but it's not, they they've never felt the need to jump or to include somebody um, or to really consider it because they haven't, necessarily found an option that they like but with UConn like it's a per- like you said it, it fits um exactly it just makes sense and if, yeah. if, if if the Big East had to pick a team to say we want to expand to 11 I think UConn would be number one
1: well and it's really interesting too because I mean I was just going through um I mean UConn never won the American Athletic Conference their last their last regular season conference title was in 2006. And uh, after they they joined in that first year, they finished second in the league. And then they were kind of in the middle. And yeah. so it's interesting because we were talking about this little off air, but this was clearly a pull. I mean, this is something that they did to go away from their legacy and away from their history and um, – you know, you don't always want to make it exactly you know compare it to Nebraska football, but it's it's it was their
0: version of joining the Big Ten. And that's what it felt like, man. Like yeah. Nebraska went to the Big Ten for financial stability, just overall stability. The Big mm-hmm. Twelve was teetering, and that's what UConn did, right? Like they were chasing right. the football money, and then they and were and it makes garbage. Right? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, again,
1: a lot of college sports is just about money, and this was clearly about going to get some money on the football side and um, kind of fulfilling the rest of your obligations to the rest of the athletic department. Um, even if that means basketball takes kind of a back seat. Well, obviously that went extremely poorly because <laughs> UConn football is a disaster. And at some point they were like, you know what? Like we screwed up this so hard that we just need to go back to the big East. And that's a good thing I think for college boards. Um, and now I'm really curious, you know, I, I think UConn's a pretty decent program um it's not what it was you know in the you know 2000s and early 2010s um but now they got Dan Hurley and they seem to be let me let me check their records so two years in Dan Hurley they went 16 and 17 and then 19 and 12 so that's trending in the right direction
0: yep so I'm curious last year last year they ended eight and two like won eight of their Mm -hmm. final 10 games uh they got they're bringing back a lot um, mm-hmm. and, and they're adding a top 25 recruiting class. So over. that's why it's, that's why I think
1: it's good too is that they're joining as they're gaining steam. Yeah. Cause that's what you want. You don't want to Rutgers to join the conference and then be horrible. Like then it just doesn't look very good. But if you add Connecticut and they're good, you're good to go. Right. Like then it, then it looks like a genius move for the whole conference.
0: Yeah. It, it, it it's interesting that the athletic department and now a lot of this was money-driven. So they said, hey, let's pare down what we've done with football and let's focus more attention on, on basketball and appeasing a fan base. Because, yeah, you heard the complaints that they didn't like going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and <laughs> where's East Carolina? I don't know. Like, East Carolina, Tulane, going to New Orlando. Duane.
1: They were going to Orlando, which like not that Orlando was bad, but like it's kind of a long trip down the Eastern Seaboard,
0: right? Uh, w- Wichita, I guess. Although like that's a good that's a good game, but you know, let's see. Uh, East Carolina is in Greenville, North, Greenville Carolina. North Carolina. They're in the they're in the American, aren't they? East Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I guess you know it makes sense that uh, that the fan base there was a lot of angst. Uh, about that, about the move. And and you can tell that there's sort of been this celebratory feel um, within UConn uh, and within the UConn faithful for the last year, since whenever this was announced and now it's official today, UConn's part of the big East. So I'm curious what you think the,
1: the Creighton reaction is like, do you think Creighton fans or Creighton as a program, like are they excited that, that UConn is joining the conference and, just what do you think that the what
0: have you gauged from the Creighton perspective? Well, I, I mean if I'm a Creighton fan, I'm loving it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is um this is like basketball Christmas having these like I <laughs> said from the from off the top that like you get these big brands, men's and women's teams from UConn coming to your house like to ma- to think that the um the best the biggest women's basketball dynasty in um, America is going to be playing its games in DJ Sokol Arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to be great. How, how, how could you miss that ticket? Uh, maybe they moved it to CHI, but, um, yeah. And then for from a men's basketball standpoint, I mean, I wasn't covering the team then, but a decade ago, Creighton's, Creighton would have celebrated bringing DePaul in, you know, for right. a game. And now mm-hmm. you get Georgetown, Villanova, UConn, um, You know the rest of the the entire Big East schedule and and some of the teams are lining up in non-conference now that they have this Big East affiliation. Like it's incredible the um, the the level uh, or the increase, the rise that Creighton basketball has has um, experienced just from being a part of the Big East. Like not apart from what it's done on the court, just that affiliation with the Big East, what it does, uh, um, and and from an enjoyment factor and I mean it's just cool to think Mm -hmm. that UConn's going to be in there. And you know, I saw you. You look across the Big East, like Creighton. I think sent out a, a tweet from its official Twitter Twitter account saying, "Hey, welcome to the Big East." Um, I think most most of the Big East schools are doing something similar to UConn, be like, "Hey, come on in. We're, yeah. we're glad you're here." And there is that joy there, I think, and I think it's genuine. But also, I do feel like UConn's going to be the team that everyone hates in like two years.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Like, yeah, it, for sure. It's it's the biggest school. Uh, got a huge fan base. You know, those, the fans, I'm sure there's always a level of arrogance whenever you have a fan base that's like won before and it's working its way back. And like, like we've noted, I mean, UConn's men's basketball could be a player on the national scene next year, maybe in two years. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden UConn starts winning again. That fan base is going to be loud about it. And I think that the rest of the Big East is going to be like, shut up, UConn, like get out of here. Yeah, well, because they're going to they're, they're they're going to walk in and be like, you you never messed with us
1: before. Like, right. You don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, and everyone's going to be like, oh, shut up. Like it's uh, it's going to be great, and that's good. That's good. Like you want some of that like no playful animosity within your conference, and I think that I, I think that the Big East has it, but I don't know if it really has it like the Big Ten does. You know what I mean? But I could be wrong there. I mean, do you th- do you feel like there's any? Like is that? Is there one school that's like that right now in the Big East? I don't
0: know. I don't think so. I mean, like it I, could I, be I feel Georgetown,
1: like, but they're not very good.
0: Yeah, I feel like the East Coast. Like Villanova's too good. Yeah, and everyone just like Jay Wright. Man, that dude's. Yeah, you can Yeah, like you can't hate on him. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of camaraderie within the Big within Big East circles right now. Uh, but UConn could disrupt that, which would make for some. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Uh. Dan Hurley so, on the sideline going wild, getting the tea, getting the fans excited. Like it's gonna be uh, fantastic. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, uh, so now they have twelve. So
1: now I have eleven. Yeah. Who do you want to add for the twelfth?
0: See, that's the thing. I, like I mentioned, I thought UConn was the best add that biggies could get, and now obviously odd number. Are they going to add another? Um, my assumption is no, you won't see it. But if they could add one more team. I think Notre Dame would be great. Oh, that's so good. Now, Notre Dame, everybody wants Notre Dame. Everyone wants Notre Dame. So, like, Notre Dame's football team's independent, obviously, and it's got that thing rolling. and It's got an association with the ACC. Why would you leave the ACC? Totally get it. Um, And the Big Ten has courted Notre Dame for years, obviously, and it never was able to find something that works. But the Big East, what it could sell – Is like, we don't care about your football team. Do whatever you want with it. You know, like you're independent. You got that deal with NBC. Just keep that rolling, but bring in your other sports um, and get back to the Big East brand. I think Notre Dame would be a cool ad, but again, I don't know if it makes any sense for for Notre Dame. Like, the reason why this made sense for UConn is because its athletic department is in financial disarray right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, they're cutting sports. And as you mentioned, football is a disaster. Like, they're trying to figure things out there. Um, so, they had to do something drastic to re engage the fan base and start selling tickets to men's basketball games and get, get uh, just raise that level of excitement um, and, and reinvigorate the entire athletic department. Notre Dame probably doesn't need that. So, I don't know in what scenario it would, but I think that would be a cool ad.
1: That's good.
0: They also talked about like Gonzaga, like there's been talks mm. about Gonzaga, but men's basketball only. Like huh. A men's basketball only ad where
1: Yeah, but that's a lot of travel for Gonzaga.
0: For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, and does again, does it, Gonzaga need it? Like it's doing just fine right now. I know it's got the West Coast affiliation, but like it's killing it, so why would yeah, it need so, a major yeah. conference? Yeah. It's almost it almost benefits Gonzaga by just like winning
1: 30 games a year and not because they they've won they've done it enough times that I've always been a Gonzaga like I've never really bought into them. Like when they're a one seed, I am always wary of them making it past like an eight, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but at the same time, when you win 30 games, at, like at pretty much every single year or, you know, more than 25 games every single year. And you're always up that that one, two seed. You do that enough times. Then it's like, well, why would we change this? Why would we try and mess with this? Um, yep. here, here's my proposal. Okay. This, this both uh, goes with your conference in my conference so we're going to send maryland to the big east big 10 sending us maryland all right big east is gonna get maryland they get whole at 12 and then ku added to the big
0: 10 interesting so ku is that i was gonna say you can't ship off Rutgers. <laughs> that, well that would, so
1: that, the, my, my first thought was we just ship Rutgers to the big east you can have them um yeah because, I mean, they do play – I mean, they're big. Like, they do play some Big East basketball. Like, they, they like to, you well, know, bump got the around.
0: Big East – Rutgers joined the Big East in the 90s, right? So
1: – Right. And the other thing I thought, too, was the ACC has so many teams. Just, like, take Syracuse. Because yeah. it was in the Big East before, and, like – just I mean, them. the like, ACC is so large. Right. It's and, and so large.
0: I wonder how Syracuse fans feel about the association with the ACC too, because like it is mm-hmm. not Syracuse has done had some really good runs in the NCAA tournament since it joined the ACC, but not necessarily like is it building the rivalries that it wanted to? Does it miss yeah, playing know. UConn yeah. and Georgetown? You know, but yeah. I, I wonder, just don't. I wonder if you'll see this in college sports, like after we get done dealing with the the pandemic. In a a number of years down the road, maybe the TV dollars for sports dramatically decrease. It feels like we're kind of in a bubble right now. So, in a couple decades, maybe you'll see sort of college sports feel a need for nostalgia and and fan appeasement. Yeah, for sure. Realigning just to. Because, you know, (laughs) we miss it. We miss it. Well, it's
1: also like, it's also, this is and we you know we don't have to spend too long on this but like you know when you talk about if there's going to be a football season if there's going to be a men's basketball season and the potential for games getting canceled and having to reschedule quickly and worrying about traveling across the country and all these things i mean conferences were essentially set up because they were schools that were pretty close to each other that wanted to play sports against each other yeah and then it became about getting the best deal and going to a bigger more high profile conference and making more as much money as you can, all these things. And now it's almost like this could potentially bring it back down to a point where this year, if everything gets canceled or, um, you know, postponed or whatever, and you have to try and find a new partner to play a sports against, like you're going to go back to those schools, those schools that you played in the eighties and nineties and, Kind of created those great rivalries with um and I'm curious if that does happen, then what the response is because right. then people because then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, I really you know Nebraska played k state um I really liked that, yeah, you know what I mean, or it, like I don't know, I just I could see that happening, I'm curious about it if it actually will happen
0: um, um yeah go back you you mentioned if 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 the big if you could swap out a team in the big ten, you'd swap out well. For the purposes of our little conversation, you're saying let's swap out Maryland, but ideally you could swap Rutgers out for KU. That's that's your dream scenario. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, like I also think that you could do the same thing with like Iowa State. Um, I think Iowa State in the Big Ten would be really fun, and it's not, and it's like they're kind of already in Big Ten country. Like they're they're pretty north for a Big yeah. Twelve school at this point. Um, and boy, would I love it. To watch Fred Hoiberg coach against Iowa State twice a year.
0: That's about the only way it happens is if Iowa State and
1: Nebraska somehow end up in the same conference. Which would be like the only time that I think that would. Ha- I mean, I, that I don't think Fred has a really would like to play like <laughs> them very often. Right. Um, I like the, I
0: like I like Notre Dame in the Big Ten. If if uh, Notre Dame the Big Ten is really good too. I mean, think about Notre Dame playing Ohio State, Michigan. <sighs> every michigan year state. michigan state i mean they do play these te- like michigan obviously has the rivalry with with notre dame to play every year I, I went to purdue and we loved uh facing notre dame we love that that matchup it's like two hours down the road well know?
1: i was gonna say then you have this little trio of like indiana purdue notre dame and in indiana you know what i mean have they ever done like a like a tournament in indianapolis
0: with like those three? basketball teams. Yeah. yeah they, they've had that going for about 10 years now. Um, they still, they do that. I don't think I realized that they did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Butler, Notre Dame, Indiana, Purdue. Oh, Not that a, rocks. Indiana, I, don't, I don't Indiana and Purdue don't play each other. So they just Butler and Notre Dame trade off. So that, oh, fantastic, man. They played at, uh, well, I think it's Banker's Life. That's where the Pacers play. Yeah. Yeah. Play yeah. Right downtown. Um, cross, Crossroads Shootout, I think is the name of it. Oh, that rocks. That's cool. Yeah would love to see something similar in pretty much every state but yes uh you know i guess here in nebraska we have to settle with with nebraska and creighton every year which is not a bad no, not, it's not a bad game no, all right let's shift to nebraska okay. there was some news now it's a, it's a, about 10 days old um since we recorded just before uh this this news broke but kobe king has left the program and well, never, I mean, he joined the program but didn't actually get to campus. Um, and then like within hours, <laughs> it was announced that Elijah Wood was going to reclassify, yeah, join the 2020 class and join the Huskers program. And now he's on campus, Chris. What's going on? Run us back through uh, how this all went down,
1: yeah. So, essentially, um, from what I've been able to gather, Kobe King joined the program. He moved to Lincoln. He was in Nebraska's like black lives matter. My life matters, uh, promotional video that they put mm. out on Twitter. Um, and, but I don't think he was necessarily practicing. Like there was some question whether or not he was academically eligible and what he was able to do. Um, and they apparently had been pretty wary. I mean, I think Kobe had been dealing with some, some personal issues and, trying to kind of work through it. And eventually um, he said, you know, I don't, I don't think I can play this year. I don't think I'm going to play. And um, so the fact that they were able to get Elijah Wood pretty quickly leads me to believe that they were pretty worried about Kobe King leaving. Um, They kind of let on that they were pretty confident, but um, I think that in general, when a kid announces that he's leaving and then within hours you have a new kid, that means that you've been talking to that kid for a while. Um, so from what I understand, um, I would be surprised if Kobe King plays college basketball next year. Um, I don't know if he's looking at other school He, he, he hasn't talked to anybody really. Um, I don't think that he's looked at playing at other schools and getting a waiver. I don't think he's going to go to the NBA. Um, so you, you kind of hope and pray that, that he's okay. And and everything works out there, um, it's kind of an unfortunate deal. And I mean, he was going to be a key guy next year. I mean, I, I imagined he was going to start. Um, there were, there was a potential for him to be maybe the second or third leading scorer. They were able to do a lot of things with him. Um, he fit their two guard exactly perfect. Um, so that, that's too bad. He's also good defender long, you know, he can do a lot of things for you. So losing him is a big deal. Um, Adding Elijah Wood is really interesting because Nebraska doesn't typically recruit f- true freshmen out of high school that they don't expect to play right away. So him coming to Nebraska leads you to believe that he's going to play right away. Um, trying to kind of figure out the rationale behind bringing him on. It sounds like Elijah understands that he's a little bit, he's a little, he's pretty thin. He's six by um, He could use, some Big Ten bulk. Um, he could use some time in the weight room. And um, I don't think he's going to necessarily redshirt by any means, but it sounds like he understands that um, it's going to take a little bit for him to get on the floor. With that said, they they really like, you know, Elijah as a, as a guard. They like, you know, his skill set. I think he's a little bit raw. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to play a ton, but I think that there's plenty of opportunity for him to find the floor. I mean, the one thing Fred Hoiberg, I've talked about this many times, the one thing that I'm most impressed by Fred Hoiberg's in-game coaching is in the final 10 minutes, the, the five guys that are playing the best um, are generally on the floor, are typically on the floor. And um, Elijah Wood is a guy that if he gets hot, maybe he's on the floor quite a bit. But I would be somewhat surprised if that happened because I think that he understands again. Um, so it's kind of like taking a kid who is maybe not going to redshirt if he gets hot, he plays quite a bit, but understands that if he takes a backseat, that that's okay. Um, now, a lot of kids say that, right? Coming in, they say like, "I'm okay, maybe not playing as much or not being a starter," and all these things. And then, um, but at the same time, they like his skill set enough that if they feel like they need to, to throw him out there, that they feel good about it. Um, so that's kind of where where that's at. He's on campus. Um, he's been tested. Um, he's, he's able to work out now. Um, so everybody is on campus. So there's three people that are not on campus. Uh, Thor and Ivan remain overseas. And uh, that's based on U.S. travel restrictions. Thor is in Iceland. Ivan's in France. Both of those countries are, you know, the, the COVID cases have drastically declined. In in Iceland, they've, for like almost more than, I think it's more than a month, their new daily cases are in the single digits. Um, so it's just one of those things where once Thor is able to, once the U S is able to bring in people from Iceland, uh, I think Thor will have no problem. France, I don't really know. I think that's a little, a little bit trickier. Um, so yeah, there I, I was,
0: I, I remember yeah. a, a couple of days ago, I looked at the list of countries. Like it, it, it's kind of, un, I mean, everything about this is, is a little bit unfathomable, but like when you, as a college basketball reporter are checking the U S state department. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a travel advisory list to see like, okay, what countries are restricted? Um, and, and w- w- you know, if you're a foreign national from France, yeah. Great. Creighton, Creighton has added two recruits, one from Georgia, one from Lithuania. Like,
1: so what's they, their are, situation? Are they yeah, able are, to are, travel? I mean, they yeah, can't with like,
0: right? Lithuanians can't come into the U S right now.
1: Right. So that's the thing is so like France, sad. France is allowing people to travel outside of the EU, outside of EU countries, but there's a select number of those countries and the United States is not on it. Um, like Canada is, you know, Australia is a lot of like a, a lot of major countries are, but the United States is not. So it's kind of, it's not really France and Iceland that is holding us up. It's the U S. Um, so those two are, um, not on campus. Um, I've seen them post videos of them working out. I know that they're in contact with the, um, with the coaches and all that. Shemil Stevenson is also not on campus. He is back in Canada. Um, Nothing to super worry about there. I don't think Um, that was just kind of a personal decision to kind of stay back and stay with his family. And um, they expect him to once practices actually start, I believe that's July 20th. They expect him to be there. Um, They're hoping that Thor and Ivan can make it, but It's one of those things where it's like, well, it's not up to, like, there's nothing that the basketball program can do. It's up to literally the U.S. government. And it's like, there's not much leeway. And I think that the hope is, you know, international students are a pretty big part of, you know, universities all over the country. And so I think that there's a hope that there's some sort of exception where, you know, if you're enrolled in a university in America, you can, travel, get a visa or, or however that works. I don't really know. Um, so that's kind of where that's at. Um, I do want to, uh, to respond to a couple things that I got on Twitter, which I appreciated people responding. I got a lot of duplicates. Um, and I like to do that occasionally just to see like, what are people interested in and what, like, what are they thinking about? Um, and a lot of people are thinking about Delano Banton, which makes sense uh, because Nebraska has really pushed Delano Banton as kind of their next guy. Um, And, uh, he's a really, really interesting case study because, you know, his one year at Western Kentucky, he didn't do much. Um, he averaged 3.4 points, 3.0 rebounds and 2.1 assists a game. Um, and now with that said, James Palmer at Miami did almost nothing and then came to Nebraska and was a total star. And you'll see this at, you know, on occasion where kids go to schools and they're not great. And they transfer somewhere else and they're really good. Royce white, um, at Minnesota, right? He didn't really play at Minnesota, but uh, didn't really work out there. Comes to Iowa State, becomes a star. So the, the question that I got from quite a few people were, what's the expectations for him? And who is a comparable comparison? Like what, what can Nebraska fans actually expect? Um, so this is what I did. Okay. I was like, okay, well, let's look at his stats, right? 3.4 points, 3 rebounds, 2.1 assists. And that was in, like, 15 minutes of play. So I was like, okay, well, let's just naturally double that. And let's say he plays 30 minutes a game, which I could totally see. So let's double it. So it's, like, 6.8 points, 6 rebounds, 4.2 assists. And then I was like, well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he maybe got a little bit better, and he's going to be the main guy. So let's bump it up to, like, 10 points. So that's, like, 3 more points a game. Uh, Let's give him one more rebound and one more assist. So that's 10, 7, and 5. Averaging, which, pretty good. So then I looked up, okay, over the past 20 years, who are some guys that have averaged basically that, um, and who do they play for, and what to I looked up. So I looked it up, and obviously there, there's like Big Ten players of the year that, that average that or better, So like Denzel Valentine, Evan Turner. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Delano to score like 20 a game like those guys did. So I went to the points category, and I, hit, I was like, well, let's look somebody that, is gonna be a little bit less of a score, like 12 points a game, 10 points a game. Because I think that Delano is really, really talented, but I think that his talent comes from being so versatile and not necessarily a volume score. And also you've got Kobe Webster and Teddy Allen and Shamil Stevenson and Vlatman, and you've got guys that can score. So Delano, I think, is gonna be asked to do more than just score. And somebody that popped up near the bottom is a guy who is six foot eight just like Delano, and as a sophomore, like Delano, scored 13, four, 13.4 points a game, 9.3 rebounds, 5 assists, right? So that, that fits in there. A little bit better, though. That was Royce White at Iowa State under Fred Hoyberg. So I think it's generally fair. The, the difference is, is that Royce White was 270, and Delano is probably about 200 now. Um, like, hopefully maybe 205, 210. Um, so there's a big difference there in terms of, like, power. But I think it's fair to say that Fred Hoiberg is going to use Delano in, in extremely similar ways that they used Royce White and George E. And that's not a huge leap because their base. that's what they brought Delano in to do on the offense, be kind of the point guard for the hybrid that they like to call. Um, so I think that... I would be surprised if Delano had nine rebounds a game. Um, Royce was just a monster um, and he was such a matchup nightmare in a big 12 conference that wasn't quite ready for what Iowa state was doing. So I think that in general, you look at Royce white and you think, okay, maybe a little bit more of a slasher, maybe a little bit more um, finesse, but the same type of game. And cause it's the same system. And it's the same type of setup, right? Royce was a sophomore, was his first year he was playing at Iowa State, the only year he played at Iowa State, um, and uh, and that's what Delano's going to do. Sophomore, second year.
0: Um, I'm so, so curi- I'm so curious about his game. Man. Me too, and, like, man. I, I I the question I have is just about his scoring ability. Like, mm-hmm. can't because it seems like Nebraska, well, obviously Nebraska needs somebody to score. Now the offense will kind of create that naturally. To just like it'll it'll open up open jump shots or, or easy buckets for guys to take advantage of, but they're also going to need a go to guy, and it seems like he's that guy. But is he more of a facilitator runner of offense versus a scorer like Um Now, I will say, as a kind of a semi counter to that, is at six eight. Well, even if even though he is a little bit slender, he's probably going to be in a lot of mismatch scenarios, like right th- th- to defend him with – I mean, maybe you can find, like, a 6'5", longer guard to kind of stick with him. Um, But I would imagine Nebraska's going to play small often, so he'll kind of be, like, the pseudo four. And so a team – well, you know, if they have their 6'10, 250 hundred and fifty pound dude out there, whatever—that's like, going to be
1: that. Yeah, then Nebraska's going to be licking their chops,
0: right? So that's the thing is, yeah, he will, yeah. He'll, he's going to force teams to adjust. Yeah, he is, and and then allow um, maybe some of Nebraska's strengths to kind of um, come to the forefront a little bit more. Yeah. So, but I'm so yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm intrigued by the the the. It's kind of like that go-to responsibility. If he if he's going to feel that he has to do it, can he do it without you know being too turnover prone and making too many stakes or pressing? Um, I think having a guy like Kobe King on the roster would have taken a little bit of uh, weight off his shoulders in that realm or mm-hmm. in that that facet. And I guess the um, the ability for Kobe Webster to adjust to, to this level and to this team quickly becomes even more important I completely um, agree
1: so. I completely agree and it's interesting too because I think I think that part of this is the way that Delano I, I think that like the way Cam Mack played is kind of what they would want Delano to play
0: that's what, and that's what I'm envisioning yeah really yeah he didn't really score and then a lot of times didn't even look for himself exactly um and so that's why it's like
1: I don't imagine he's going to score 13 like I I think Delano has the the ability to but I I mean I think that there could be games where he has more more rebounds and assists than he does points. Just based on you've got a volume shooter in Kobe Webster, volume shooter in Teddy Allen, you've got Delano creating um and so that's that's I'm just really interested how it's going to actually go and at the same time too like you hope that he's as good as they think he is and that that he is as good at picking up the offense as they hope he does. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I think that Delano is going to continue to be the storyline up until the the season actually begins. I think we're going to hear a lot about him in the lead up to the season and at the beginning of the season. Um, some other guys that I, I got a question about lat man. Um, I've heard a lot of really good things about lat man uh, being on campus. I think that he's going to, I mean, Fred Hoyberg said it when he had this teleconference about the 2020 class. He said, "You know, I love everything about the kid, um, and I think that they've been pleasantly surprised how good this kid is, um, what he's going to potentially be able to do in terms of stretching the floor." Um, something that I thought of when they when they signed that class that I wrote was they've got kind of all these potential big men, <clears throat> excuse me, big men now with Latman and Derek Walker and Ivan Wendrago and. The new freshman Eduardo Andre and kind of how do you rotate those guys and what do you get from each of them? And, um, I think that that Lat gives you um, a lot of stuff offensively. And I think is a little bit longer on the defensive end that, um, he's going to be able to maybe not protect the rim like Eduardo Andre can, but as good, or maybe a little bit better than Ivan could. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think, and then you've got Derek Walker who I've, I've always kind of penciled in as a starter, um, just based on I think they really like his vocal leadership. I think that he was on really good Tennessee teams. He knows what he's doing. Um, he can stretch the floor. Um, I think he's kind of a versatile guy. But I think just the way that Lat has impressed early. I, I mean, I think that I've heard really good things about him. So, is um, so that something to, to think about? And then
0: is is, is Latman yeah. eligible? Yes. Okay. yeah so he, he's he okay he was TCU then Juco yes then Nebraska so he's correct
1: in. so 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 to to give everybody a sense and so I'm gonna give what you know my final thing would be I'm gonna give really quickly who I envision as the starting five is but just to give everybody a sense of who is eligible to play because they have so they have 13 scholarship guys and 11 are eligible and that is that does not count in Trey gallons Trey gallons is not eligible yet he needs a waiver. Um, Kobe King's waiver was a lot easier than Trey McGowan's. And so um, if they get Trey eligible, that changes things. But I'm working under the assumption that he's not going to be eligible because I think it's easier to think about it that way. Did, um, did,
0: did Trey McGowan's commit or did, did he announce his decision to transfer before the virus hit? Or was that kind of in the same around the same time? Because I wonder... Let's see. I don't. I don't April even know. April fourth. Yeah, that was. I mean, we're in the middle of the virus at that point. I don't know if yeah that matters at all, but well, that's what I mean. That's what I imagine everybody's going to put. You wanted
1: to leave the East Coast, where there was a lot of COVID, and go to the Midwest, where there wasn't any. Yeah, but, or not uh, as much, I guess. Hard to argue with that. I think, True. But. I mean, I mean, yes, it is. You you'd have to. Pr- I mean, it's it's difficult though because it's like he's going further away from family. Yeah. Um, That's what everybody else is going to say. So you have to make it different.
0: Right. Anyway, so. Yeah. Is the NCA just going to say, if you write down on your transfer waiver waiver request that like coronavirus impacted your decision, then it's like, okay.
1: I think they should just give everybody just like, okay, one year, do it. Because that's going to happen anyway in a year. Yeah. I I think they just, I think they should just do it early. Because seriously, like everybody is going to put COVID. Everybody. And because of your point, of like, it's kind of hard to argue.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, so, uh, so Trey McGowan's so, not eligible right now, but...
1: Trey McGowan's is not. Trevor Lakes is not. Um, he's going to shirt. So, the starting five that I've got, and then I'll go through the bench, is Kobe Webster, Delano Banton. Those are kind of your ones. Teddy Allen, Shamil Stevenson. Those are like your threes and fours. And then Latman at the five. And then coming off the bench in some sort of way. You've got Derek Walker, Thor, who I think Kobe King leaving means that Thor is going to play more. Um, Ivan, Eduardo Andre, Elijah Wood, and Nicole Rowe. I mean, I think Elijah Wood, somebody you could see come in, you know, 13-minute mark, and, you know, Kobe Webster or Teddy needs, needs a blow, and... They can come in, he can come in for a minute or two. Um, and if he's playing well, maybe they keep Teddy on the bench and kind of keep him going. Um, a Cole, I don't really know. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how much he'll play again. Um, he's he, he showed some good stuff at the end of last year whenever they were down to you know only a handful of scholarship players. I mean, he seriously was. I'll, I'll I remember it in my mind, I remember many things about the night Nebraska played Indiana um, in the big 10 tournament. But one of, one of them was just a Cole was one of the most athletic people on the floor. And so, and so he could rebound, like he he can block some shots. Um, The the worst call I've ever seen in my entire life was when a Cole rope absolutely obliterated a shot, blocked it and they called a foul. Um, I thought that Fred was going to lose his mind. Um, So like he, he's actually, he's really athletic. He fits like a division one athlete profile. I just don't know where he fits in on this roster. And kind of where his minutes come from. Um, but you hope he's able to, you know, again, be, be a guy that can come in and give somebody a blow a little bit. But I think that with Kobe King leaving a lot of the season falls on Delano, Kobe Webster and, and Teddy Allen. Um, I mean, I think Teddy's going to have to be a stud from everything that I've heard about Teddy in the last couple months. He's, he's doing well. He's impressing people. Um, you know, I heard a, I heard a story of him playing against, uh, this is, you know, whatever, Hunter Salas at um, you know, kind of a, a run somewhere in Omaha and just kind of like working the kid, which is good for Hunter. Um, but Teddy, Teddy's, you know, I think good things are, are coming out from there, so you hope that he has a good season. It would be really nice. Kobe Webster shot really well and was efficient, and Delano ran the offense really well. Um, so I, I'm curious. Now, again, this is just my opinion. I'm not paid $3.5 million a year because I'm not worth that and I'm not Fred Oyberg. But just based on conversations and figuring out in my head how this team might work, that's kind of the way I envision it right this second. Now, again, maybe Ivan comes back and he's in great shape and it's exactly the body type that they wanted and he's improved his shot and he can steal minutes at the five. Maybe Eduardo Andres is way better than they thought he was going to be. He's a shot blocking machine. He can get in there. Maybe Thor is just like you know, basically, um, J.J. Redick, and it's just like a 45% three-point shooter because all he's done is shoot in Iceland, and he can sh- go in there. Things could change, but that's kind of the way that I see it at this second.
0: I feel like the best offensive lineup is those it, those five guys you mentioned, but sub out Stevenson and put Thor in there. I actually um, agree, it, yeah. Maybe I'm, I I don't want to overrate Thor's shooting ability, but like he had a stretch there where he was on fire last year. So I mean that's have, a,
1: that's super small, but I like I really like it.
0: I guess the biggest question for this team is going to be like, what kind of impact defensively do Stevenson, Walker, um, Andre, Ivan, can get on the boards more consistently? Uh, man, like the new additions, what did they? What does that do to, to the to Nebraska's ability to just get a stop? Right, to, right, right. To, to take away an opponent's one first or second option and then to get that rebound and then to go. Which is why I think Eduardo Andre is a really good sign because
1: he is, I think he's going to be their best quote unquote rim protector. And I think that they've got an, it's interesting because I think they have enough. But
0: will they, will they play him just for that? That's what I
1: mean. That's why, that's why, that's why I'm so interested with the rotation of the big men because if he's, it's like they don't have one guy that has checks all the boxes and hardly anybody actually does. You know what I mean? Like hardly anybody does all these things. But I think that he's a good sign because again, if you're playing a bigger team if you're playing you know Ohio State or Michigan State or Michigan um, and you have to um, what's that big Michigan guys' name? Castleton like Carl Castleton or something something castle something um, and he, he, he's and he's basically the new John Teske he's a big big long dude and you put Eduardo yeah, Andre on know there said lin- you know what I'm talking about yeah Um so that so that's where that's what I mean is is. On one hand, it's like you don't have quite exactly what you need. At the same time, though, like I said, Fred is really good at picking who is playing well and diagnosing the exact game and the exact lineup that he needs for things to go well. And so maybe Eduardo again is playing really well, and you throw him out there, and he and he's and you keep him, and you put Ladd on, on the bench, or Derek Walker is really you know, playing well or Thor's really playing well. Like, I think that they have enough guys that are good at specific things that they can create kind of a nice lineup in the last 10 minutes specific to that game. Um, The other thing I will say too, I think that this team is significantly more mature than the last team that they are harder workers and they just have a general better sense of what it takes to be a college athlete. And that is, a very big step up and that, and that's the advantage of getting a guy like Kobe Webster who has been in college basketball for some time and Shamil who has also, and Teddy who has had to grow up and Derek Walker who's been around and having a mature lineup uh, is really nice. And again, if Trey McGowan's is eligible, then I think Trey is your starter. And then you've got Kobe Webster that comes off the bench potentially. And then you've got a really nice mature lineup. Um, generally Fred Hoiberg's teams have been one of some of the, um, oldest teams in terms of age, uh, in college basketball, when he was at Iowa state, it was that way. And it's typically, but this last year, last year's team was so young and so inexperienced. And, um, so that's, that's kind of a nice step forward too. So we'll see. I mean, obviously it's a long ways between now and college basketball happening and starting and you know what I mean? but so we'll we'll see. But, but I will say, I mean, things are generally, I think going pretty well in Nebraska basketball land.
0: Do you want me to tell my John Rothstein story before we leave?
1: Oh yes, I do. (laughs) So hold on real quick. So this was prompted because somebody tweeted at me a very fantastic tweet of, of a question, which was, does John Rothstein tweet or text? Fred Hoiberg before basketball games, because John Rothstein does that often as we saw in a FOIA, um, from a newsletter during the season. First off, John Rossine does. Second off, Fred does not respond.
0: <laughs> so the question is whether or not you're uh, the who who tweeted was his name was what, what was his name. Hold tweeted? on, it was
1: really really good. Because um, I want to give him credit. Hold on, give me a second.
0: Yeah, the big question is whether or not he thought you because you said, "Hey, I'm gonna record a pro- uh, half court press podcast with John," and if he thought that meant. It, it's Josh who tweeted, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, Josh. Thank so you, Josh,
0: Josh. Josh was like, is that – I don't know if he meant – I'm sorry to disappoint if he thought Rossing was going to get on this uh, Zoom with you, Hetty, It's John Neatau. <laughs> but it sparked an idea in my mind or a memory of mine that I, I thought I'd share. So this was the first year on the beat for me covering Creighton, and I was headed out to Seton Hall for a game, um, I think, in February – and the Jays had suffered the, the big injury to their point guard, Maurice Watson, and they were kind of reconfiguring a little bit. And I got this email from a CBS PR guy who was like, hey, um, could you chat with John rostin And in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I can chat with John Rostin. I thought I, I he was doing the game. He was like doing sideline for CBS Sports Network or something. And I thought – it was like a sharing note session where mm. he's kind of like wants to pick my brain about where, where Creighton's at and all this stuff. And, uh, of, like where's the roster and, 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 and what are they doing to retink like tinker, uh, without, the, without their point guard. Um, and that was not it. <laughs> um, it Rostine, it, the, it was set up for me to interview Rosting, who is the national college basketball analyst, you know? Mm. So of course that's what it makes sense where he, well, I pick his brain about, uh, you know, Creighton, it's standing in college basketball, the Big East, um, the national scene, everything that you would do when you interview a, nor- uh, a, a, a national analyst. You see that thing from time to time, especially on sports talk radio. So that was what he thought. Um, so he called me and uh, he was like, hey, what's up? And I go, oh, man, what's up with you? And he's like, nothing. Uh, what can I do for you? I said, uh, what can I do for you? <laughs> and, and he was like, "You got any questions for me?" I said, uh, "No, man, I don't." Uh, like, what? what you, you, any questions for me? And uh, before, like, before I realized what I, what had happened, like, yeah, he, he already he had he'd hung up, and he was just like, "I guess we something must have been a miscommunication." I'll talk talk to you later. Bye. And like, as he hung up, I was like, "Oh." <laughs> oh, he didn't want to talk to me. Why would he yeah. want to talk to me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's so, and, yeah. But for some reason, I like, it must have been the way I read the email the first, when I first got it. It was like, I thought it was just a TV guy who just kind of wanted to get some insight. That yeah, could, so
1: you could share it on, yeah, 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 yeah. Get yeah, a better I, idea
0: of, oh, hey, this is how I'm going to cover this game. Just be prepared. But no, it was not that. And so uh, I had to, apologize, I apologized to him at the game, but I don't think that he, uh, I don't think he appreciated it. It's like, kind of got big-timed a little bit by me, accidentally, <laughs> wasted his time. But, uh, yeah, that's my job. I mean... Interaction.
1: It, one, that's funny. And two, like, there is an assumption there that he would know more about the team that you're covering than you do, right. and you cover them on day-to-day basis. Right. So I would have the exact same reaction.
0: But then again, in college basketball, you know... You get kind of the 30,000-feet view, and you get, like... I, I understand that, too. And, and they have really good... I mean, college coaches in basketball are... Um, really accessible. It's I, mm-hmm. I was coming from the football realm, you know, mm-hmm. where it's it, everything's more Fort Knoxy uh, in college oh, yeah. football. It, it, even even for national guys, it can be hard to penetrate and, and learn some of the insight. And I used to have conversations like that all the time with regional national reporters. So I came from that world and entered college basketball, and uh, I was mistaken. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, if Nebraska and Creighton played today, who'd win? Who's, who's Creighton? Th- are they on campus yet still? We got Reef on campus. Mr. Reef Mitchell on campus. One. Yeah.
1: I got to say, I think Nebraska would win.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Chris, it was fun. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks. Maybe we can do a similar Creighton-style breakdown, um, uh, an, an update on where they stand. But right now, they're not on campus. So Yeah, really it's harder no, for that, yeah. There's no movement, um, but we can kind of look ahead to the 2021 season in a similar way that you did with Nebraska. Good stuff. Appreciate you. Thank you guys for listening.